0: you would have spotted that we're going to break bread together this morning, and we've got bread and wine before us. And um, I think it would be really important that as I share with you this morning what's, what's on my heart just to, just to carry, that you understand that I'm not going to bring anything new. I'm going to bring something radical, but you've heard it before. But I believe it's absolutely vital for us to get a grip of, not just in our heads, but in our hearts as well. And I think it will really help us as we come to the table this morning. I don't know whether you have started to think yet about New Year's resolutions. I'm hopeless. I I actually don't really go there. But I do have aspirations. I do have things which I'd like to see happen. I do have things I'd like to see change in the next few months, in the next few weeks. Um, And uh, that may well be the, the same for you too. But we can, we, can, um, we can see things clearly, can't we? Whether it's things in our lives or things spiritually, when we know the absolute foundations upon which our decisions are going to be made. Yes. And um, what I want to explain today and to talk about today is, is God's radical righteousness. It's a radical righteousness. But ra- righteousness is, is being able to be... Um, is looking at someone or something where you look at them and go, wow, that's perfect. That's really good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's righteous. There are people in the Bible who are described as being righteous. One of the people who is described as being righteous is Jesus. And we're going to look a little bit about Jesus' righteousness as we talk this morning. A correct understanding of the righteousness that Jesus gives to us will really help every single one of us in this next year as we face the ups and downs of life. And you know, there are bound to be joys and challenges in our life in 2019, just as I have been in this year and every year since the, uh, since the beginning of our lives. They're certain to come our way, but uh, a correct understanding of Jesus' righteousness, given freely to us, is really going to help us. So can I turn us, first of all, to... Uh, the book of Romans, surprise, surprise, and we're going to look at chapter 5. And I'm going to read chapter 5 and just into the start of chapter 6 as well. The book of Romans has lots to say about righteousness. So Romans chapter 5, starting from verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, although someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us whilst we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God is restored by the death of his son, whilst we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of as, of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol a representation of Christ who is yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ and the result of god's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin for adam's sin led to condemnation but god's free gift leads us so it leads to our being made right with god even though we are guilty of many sins for the sin of this one man adam caused death to rule over many but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man Jesus Christ yes adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone but christ's one act christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with god and new life for everyone because one person disobeyed god many became sinners but because, the, because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Unless you and I are completely convinced that God has given us a free gift of righteousness that makes us completely acceptable to God. We will forever be battling a sense of sin and guilt and unworthiness. And You know, those feelings can paralyse us spiritually, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And if uncorrected will prevent us from being effective in our families Mm -hmm. and in the body, and in the mission of the church. It's essential that we understand, and we preach this, and I want us to really understand it. It's essential that we we understand there is nothing we can do to justify ourselves in God's sight. Nothing. When feelings of unrighteousness come, we can often look to our own performance. But there's nothing in our performance that can give us right standing with God. It can be easy for any of us, any one of us, to have a bad day. Things go wrong. We forget to pray. We do something stupid and immediately get consumed with guilt. We don't confess it before God because we actually did the same thing yesterday and told him then it would be the last time ever. And we feel really silly. And we get home and we shout at the children and we kick the cat and we're ratty with our spouse. And we hear the whisper of the accuser saying to us, you call yourself a Christian. And we feel unworthy and guilty and useless as a follower of Jesus. That can apply to any one of us. But this is what the scripture says. There is nothing that we need to do, nothing that we can do to justify ourselves, to make us righteous in the eyes of God. Romans uh, 4 verse 5 says, But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, their performance, the things they do, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. That is the only criteria. Romans 5, 17, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. When the accuser comes, we are people, men and women, who are living in triumph. You see, we must not get confused between two more big Bible words. We must not get confused between justification and sanctification. Let me explain what I mean. Let's not get confused between justification, which is receiving God's absolutely free gift of righteousness, and sanctification, which is the process of us being made holy, being made fit for purpose. It's the thing that we are designed to do, designed to be, that's when something is sanctified. Justification comes first. Sanctification is what happens when our hearts respond to the wonderful free gift of justification. Do you get that? Do you understand how the justification has got to come first? It has nothing to do with our performance whatsoever. And getting those two things mixed up, justification sanctification, is an easy trap to fall into. Because in almost every other area of our lives, performance is the thing that we are valued on, that we find our worth in sometimes. Uh, sometimes, in a particular workplace, our performance is the basis on which we're judged and evaluated. So we can understand any individual who maybe has, maybe has been saved, they know forgiveness of sin, they've declared themselves to be followers of Jesus, they've received the free gift of righteousness, they have been justified But then you're discipled into the church. And um, the things that the church will say to you is, hey, it'd be really good if you were to pray every day. And you really would be helped if you read your Bible. It'd be great if you're there Sunday mornings. It'd be really good if you could be part of a life group. It would be excellent if you could serve the body in some way. These are things that we all Teach here at Living Rock Church. We, we would say all of those things are important. Yeah. Of course he would. But um, there also, also, sorry, I'm going to say also things like bringing our tithes and our offerings are things which we would say are, are important. And there might be implied direction uh, from the things we learn and the things we hear other Christians say about the circle of friends that we keep, or the right way to dress and present ourselves, or the social activities that we should be involved in or not. And just when a new believer has found liberty and new life in Jesus, all of a sudden it can look like it's a big stack of rules. (laughs) And um, a real sense of failure and unworthiness and maybe even a loss of joy if the rules are not adhered to. Can you see the tension in that? God has justified us freely. An outstanding exchange has occurred. The righteousness of Jesus has been credited to us. Let me read a couple more scriptures to you. 2 Corinthians 5:21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Or Ephesians chapter 1, it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. The righteousness of Jesus is not a pie in the sky uh, theoretical concept. Jesus came that first Christmas as a little baby, and he grew up into a man. And during that time, he he never sinned. He never prayed to his father asking for forgiveness. Daily, he lived a life full of good choices. Daily he lived a life full of righteous actions. He was full of compassion. If that was our life story that someone was talking about, it would be incredible, wouldn't it? I think it would. Here's the news. That is now our life story that we're talking about. Because all of the righteousness of Jesus has been given freely to anyone who commits to follow him. What a great transaction that is. All of the righteousness of Jesus has been transferred to those who have forgiveness of sins, know what it is to be justified freely by God's grace. When God looks at us, He doesn't look at our own lives, our manly, sinful lives. He sees the life of Jesus, He sees complete righteousness. That's occurred already. That is the state that we, as men and women who have committed to follow Jesus, already live in. Isn't that great news? There is nothing that we can do that will add to that righteousness. Mm -hmm. There's nothing extra that we need to do just to push us over the line. Mm -hmm. By ourselves, we are millions of miles away from the line. Mm -hmm. Jesus has done everything that is necessary for us to be made right in God's eyes. There's no element of performance on our part. Simply having faith in God is sufficient. So take heart. This is really liberating news. When we're having that bad day and we've messed things up and we've run late and we've not prayed and we've not read our Bible and we've had an argument and we've said something stupid and we are still completely righteous in God's eyes. This is why the gospel of salvation through Jesus is so offensive to people. If we've placed our faith in Jesus and are following him, then Paul would describe us as being in Christ. That was Paul's favourite phrase for describing people who are followers of Jesus. Long long before the phrase Christians was was used, when Paul wrote to Christians, he said, you are the people who are in Christ. It's a very interesting phrase, and he, he uses the phrase quite a few times in this fifth chapter of the book of Romans, because Paul explains the difference between being in Adam and being in Christ. Now, I guess that many people wouldn't wake up in the morning and consider themselves to be in Adam. If you were to go out into the town and say, are you in Adam this morning? They'd go, what on earth are you talking about? But what we mean by this, Paul is describing um, people who are living in their natural, sinful, human state. Described as being in Adam. And Paul explains the differences in Romans 5 between Adam being in Adam and Christ, that is being in Christ. So in verse 12, uh, we read about Adam, that Adam sinned and sin entered the world. In verse 15, we read that Adam, his sin brought death to many, but of Christ we read that his life brought forgiveness to many. Completely different. Verse 16, Adam's sin led to condemnation, but Christ's free gift Leads to being made right with God. Adam's sin led to death ruling over many, whereas Christ brings triumph over sin and death. Adam disobeyed God and he caused many to sin. Jesus, he was obedient to God and caused many, many to become righteous. In our natural state, uh, we all in God's sight identify with Adam. There's no overlap at all. People will talk about whether someone is a good person, or a kind person, or a nice person, but even the bestest, goodest, kindest, nicest person is still a million miles away from wearing the righteousness that Jesus freely gives. I don't know whether you have come across Venn diagrams. We're in a school, so I'm going to talk about Venn diagrams just to just to shake it up. So, uh, if you know what a Venn diagram is, they look like this. Hey. So this is a Venn diagram. So you have have two have often two or sometimes more circles. In one circle, well, this section is only things that uh, are uh, unique to um, one one set of items or rules or uh, or, or whatever. I'll show you in a second. Uh, the overlap is ways in which the two circles are the same. Okay, so let's have an example. Let's look at the next one. Told you in a school. Okay. <laughs> multiples of three, multiples of five. Hope we're keeping up here. The numbers in the middle are multiples of both three and five. I think we're learning something, aren't we? Look at this. This is on the curriculum. Okay, have a look at this one. I like this one. <laughs> oh. There it is, a Venn diagram. And and finally, we've got this one. (laughs) People who understand Venn diagrams (laughs) and people who don't understand Venn diagrams. There we are. (laughs) But if we were to draw the Venn diagram of being in Adam... And being in Christ, this is what it would look like. There is absolutely no overlap whatsoever. If we are in Christ, if we have been freely justified because of what Jesus has done for us, if we have accepted his free gift of salvation, then we are completely, 100% in Christ. Every day. Even on the bad days, Isn't that great news? Yes. Yes. When in Adam, our attempts to do better or be a good person don't take us out of Adam. But when we're in Christ, our sinful actions do not take us out of Christ. They still leave us righteous in the sight of God. Our personal failings do not take us out of him. His righteousness stands. And that's why, at this point, when we are explaining God's wonderful, amazing gift of radical righteousness, there can very often be voices saying, you've got to be so careful here. Isn't this really dangerous doctrine? And if you think this through to its conclusion, are we not saying that we can be in Christ and continue to live just as we like? Live as we please, still being convinced that we're righteous in God's sight? We may even ask this question, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God could show us more and more of his wonderful grace? The radical free gift of righteousness is so extreme, so offensive to the ears of those who believe that they can earn their way or work their way to God's righteousness, that this question will always crop up sooner or later. If someone really understands God's radical righteousness, there's nothing you need to do other than have faith in Jesus. This question of, well, can we not then just live as we please, sooner or later will always rise to the surface. And in fact, I believe that that's always a mark that the gospel has been preached properly. And I read this quote uh, during the week by Dr. Martin Uh, Lloyd-Jones. Using a quote by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones makes me feel like a proper preacher. So... (laughs) Um, But I'll read it out to you because it 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 is so helpful. He says, The true preaching of the gospel of salvation by grace alone always leads to the possibility of this charge being brought against it, the charge that we can therefore keep living just as we like. There is no better test as to whether a man is really preaching the New Testament gospel of salvation than this, that some people might misunderstand it And misinterpret it to mean it really amounts to this that because you are saved by grace alone, it does not matter at all what you do. You can go on sinning as much as you like because it will redound all the more to the glory of grace. This is a very good test of gospel preaching. Martin Lloyd Jones says if my preaching and presentation of the gospel of salvation does not expose it to that misunderstanding, then it is not the gospel. If a man preaches justification by works performance, no one would ever raise that question. And this is the gospel that we preach. Not just from the front. This is the gospel that we, every one of us, proclaim in our families, in our workplaces. And let's continue to preach this gospel together. In 2019, let's declare it wherever we can. God's wonderful gift of free righteousness, radical righteousness, free justification. But today, let's first of all preach it over ourselves. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.